Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Fun story. I drove all over Waynesboro tonight trying to find uh, a store with uh, Virginia gear that uh, is based in the color orange. Uh, I'm in a, my podcast studio here, Chris Graham on the podcast. Um, and I'm, I'm looking over at, uh, you know, all these these football jerseys and basketball jerseys and I mean, Nats World Series jerseys, and I've got, I mean, everything you can think of, but uh, my my Virginia t-shirts that, uh, that are orange are all baseball shirts, baseball t-shirts, and um, I've got a sweatshirt that just says who's on it, and uh, it'll be hot in the Cameron Indoor Stadium tomorrow night. Uh, less than 24 hours, actually, from me recording this podcast. Yeah, well, uh, heading down to uh, Duke tomorrow night, and, and it'll be, for me, my first game. Uh, uh, Virginia basketball game watching uh, in person as a fan in 10 years since the last time I was down at Duke in 2014. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm like, Hey, I get to, I get to, you know, dress like a fan I get to, you know, deck myself out. And I realized here it is Friday. Uh, you know, I wanted to wear orange because, you know, I mean, the, our dark blue, maybe blue can be anybody, you know, anybody's wearing blue, but, the only people in Cameron Indoor tomorrow night wearing orange will be the fans because even the guys will be wearing either. I guess they'll probably be wearing their road blues. Um, so I figured, you know, I mean, my wife and I wanted to. So my wife found a sweatshirt uh, at one of the stores, but Waynesboro is 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 light on <laughs> much of anything from that standpoint. So um, I'm like to <laughs> figure this out. It'll be uh, interesting to figure out. In the meantime. Uh, podcast. Uh, Got to get you ready for UVA Duke uh, in my trip down tomorrow night, right? Uh, so the headline I wrote to the preview I wrote uh, today on the uh, AFP website, Virginia heads to Duke where a Cavalier court storm could help the NCAA resume. And uh, I mentioned that I had to reference the court storm nonsense uh, that made Duke's loss at Wake Forest last weekend more about a national conversation we didn't know we needed to have as opposed to it being a, about a team that just didn't play good defense. That's pretty much the case with Duke at Wake last weekend, 83-79 loss. Demon Deacon shot 60.4% uh, in that uh, win for Wake, uh, preceding the court storm. And, um, uh, you know, outside of that game, Duke's playing as well as anybody uh, in the country uh, of late. Uh, they've just lost... Uh, three games since the turn of the calendar towards 2024. Uh, the, lo uh, the losses uh, being at Wake and Duke and then, excuse me, yeah, at Wake and UNC, they're Duke. And then a home loss to Pitt that at the time didn't make any sense, but Pitt's been playing so well of late. You know, this Duke team looked pretty vulnerable early in the season. They were just 5-3 and three on December 2nd after a loss to Georgia Tech, which came after another loss to Arkansas that made no sense. Uh, those two teams now with combined records of 26 and 30 uh, and Duke lost those games back to back. Uh, you know, season long, this is a pretty good Duke defensive team. Season long, their defense number nationally is 25th in the country, according to Ken Palm, defensive efficiency wise. Now in the ACC, they're fifth out of the 15 teams. Um, and, and their uh, points per possession has gone up a little bit, a uh, good bit, actually. They are first in the ACC and ACC games only uh, in uh, offensive efficiency and in the uh, on the season long numbers, they're eighth nationally. So uh, that's where the, the bread is buttered. 
uh, for this Duke team. Uh, breaking down this Duke rotation, uh, I mean, you you know some of these guys. In fact, it's kind of weird that <laughs> you know a lot of these guys. Kyle Filipowski uh, was a surprise returnee after a, a pretty good freshman season, the big, big seven-foot stretch five. He's averaging 16.6 points, 8.3 rebounds a game. He's shooting 49.9% from the field, 34.4% from three, so not as good from three as you, you'd think just based on reputation. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he, he was Willis Reed the other night uh, in, the, in the win over Louisville. Uh, you know, you would think that the way the ESPN folks uh, made it out that uh, Filipowski had pretty much broken every bone on his body uh, in the court storm. He played 30 minutes in the Louisville game, so he wasn't hurt too bad. I mean, you know, whatever. Um, so he's the anchor of the uh, front court. Uh, the the guy who does the dirty work is Mark Mitchell, 6'9", sophomore, big kid, 6'9", 230. Uh, 12.8 points a game, 6.3 rebounds a game. Shoots 55% from the field. Doesn't shoot many threes. Doesn't shoot them well, 25%, but he can make threes. Um, and then the other two guys in the front court who get minutes are 6'10", senior Ryan Young, the Northwestern transfer, Gets 11 minutes a game, does does some decent stuff in those 11 minutes. And then six nine freshman Sean Stewart gets eight minutes a game and does good stuff in those eight minutes a game. So, uh, you know, there's some talent there in the on the bench, and then there's talent uh, uh, certainly in the front court and starting starting two there. Uh, their backcourt, their three-man backcourt, uh, Jeremy Roach, you know, joked in the preview column that I wrote today, seems like he's been there since Dr. Naismith put up the first peach basket. Just because, I mean, Roach was a guy. He was a he was a five star recruit. Um, he came in two or three one and done classes ago, and he's I mean he's he's going to play in the NBA. Uh, it's it's you know surprising to me that he, he you know didn't leave after maybe a sophomore year and then after a junior year. So he's back. Uh, he's averaging fourteen point four a game. Shoots forty nine point six percent from the field, forty eight percent from three. Has the ball in his hands a lot. That's dangerous. Um, the uh, the other point guard, let's just say, is Tyrese Proctor, 6'5 kid, sophomore. Another guy that I just figured was going to go pro after his freshman year. 10.2 points, 3.7 rebounds a game. Good shooting numbers, 44% from the field, 35.7% from three. Um, he uh, finally got back in the starting lineup Wednesday night. He had been eased back in. Uh, he suffered a concussion. A, a, a concussion. Feels like I had a concussion uh, in the uh, win over Wake Forest at home back on February twelfth, and he had to miss the next game. And then, like I said, he's back into the to, the starting lineup. But he's he's been putting up good numbers all season long. Um, the other two guards who split time at the off guard, the other off guard spot, are a pair of freshmen, six three Jared McLean, McCain. Uh, 13.6 points a game, 46% from the field, 41.8% from three. And then 6'5", uh, the, uh, the other freshman, Caleb Foster, 7.7 .7 points a game. Good shooting numbers, 43.7% from the field and 40.6% from three. So, I mean, <laughs> if you listen to those numbers, and I'll you know link to all this on the website, uh, both for uh, – I'll link on the YouTube description and the podcast description. You'll see – you'll be able to read these, uh, uh, you know, study them more in depth – these guys can all shoot the ball, um, you know, and and so this is a I mean this there's a reason this team is eighth in the country in offensive efficiency. Pretty good team, um, not very deep, but uh, pretty good team. Looks like you know they'll play seven guys, maybe eight, but uh, um, you know, and how Virginia matches up. Uh, this is one where we wish Elijah Gertrude was a little further along. I'll, I'll say that from an athletic standpoint. Uh, 
because Roach and Proctor are both basically NBA point guards. I really think so. I mean, I, you know, maybe they're not going to be starting guards as as rookies, but you know, they're going to be contributors when, wherever they go next year. And I presume that. I mean, I guess they both could come back. Roach is a guy who played in the COVID year, so he could come back if he wanted to. But he's he's going to go pro, and I think Proctor. There's no way he's not he's not going to go pro after this year. They're both NBA types. Um, Virginia's only got one, Reese Beekman, the senior, who came back after going into the draft process last year. Um, and so that's an edge. I mean, having two guys with a high level of skill uh, handling the ball uh, is better than having one who has high level of skill handling the ball. Um, this is where I'll bring up that Tony Bennett and Ron Sanchez fixed the offense this week by going with a more traditional two-guard, two-forward, one-center lineup. Virginia, for many years, with Tony Bennett in his mover blocker offense, uh, because of the offense being the way it is, uh, he would have three guards, basically, and two forwards. The two forwards on offense setting the screens, and the three guards taking turns running off the screens. Well, uh, to fix the offense, to get the best offense out there, uh, Jake Groves, who's a stretch four, started a lot of games this season back in November and early December as a stretch five. Um, he's replacing, he replaced at least for the one game, and I'll presume for the rest of the season, based on what Tony had to say after the BC win. Uh, Andrew Rohde, the 6'6 other off guard uh, in the starting lineup. Uh, Groves played 30 minutes the other night and uh, scored in double digits and stretched the uh, opponent's defense. And it just makes sense that he'll be back out there again, doing uh, trying to do a similar thing. Uh, what this means then when I go back to Duke's um, two NBA, NBA level point guards uh, in Roach and Proctor, this means Isaac McNeely, the um, 6'4 sophomore who's an off guard, will have to guard either Roach or Proctor, depending on who Bennett puts Beekman on. Uh, and that may switch through the game. Uh, so the flip side of that, and so I, I'm giving Duke an advantage here. They got you know two high level point guards. Virginia's got one, and they'll have Isaac McNeely, who's a good team defender, but he's not athletically the level of either Roach or Proctor. Um, the flip side, though, is Virginia gets a matchup advantage on the other end because uh, you know presuming that uh, Virginia will go with Jake Groves for something close to 30 minutes again. Uh, Ryan Dunn letting close to 30 minutes. Um, Don, John Shire will have to have uh, his, his second off guard spot. Uh, you know, it's either the six, three guy McCain or the six, five guy Foster guarding uh, either uh, Groves at six, nine or Ryan Dunn, six, eight uh, kid who's been playing forward all season for Virginia. I would assume uh, that Shire probably will try to match his smaller guy, his, his second guard uh, with Dunn. Um, just because Dunn's offensive game is limited. You know, you saw this week um, he, he was used as a guard in the BC game. And BC, uh, you know, obviously the kids there read their scouting reports and listened to him, heeded them. Uh, they left him open on the perimeter. Dunn tried two threes. You know, they both airballed. Virginia, fortunately for Virginia, uh, rebounded both airballs and scored points on both of those airballs after the offensive rebounds. But you know, Dunn is not a danger from the perimeter. He's not a guy who's going to dribble drive past you. His offense is entirely catching the ball on on backdoor cuts and an offensive rebounding. Um, and what that's going to mean is Dunn's got to be active on, on offense. If he's going to run off screens, if he's going to be on the perimeter, uh, he's going to have to be able, after he passes the ball out of, you know, when he gets the ball outside on the three-point line, you know, cut hard to the basket. 
you know, do some give and go type stuff. Just just be active, be moving, have a motor going, uh, and make uh, make Duke pay for putting a guy who's either three or five inches shorter on him, and certainly uh, cr crash the board, the offensive boards particularly. And you know, and and he gets a fair amount of baskets in transition um, as well. So those will be the you know the, that'll be the, the the thing to do there. And you know, honestly, I I think that defensively uh, or offensively, I should say. that um, uh, Groves will have an advantage uh, going up against Mark Mitchell. If that's where things end up being, uh, he'll, you know, his ability to stretch the floor will pull Mitchell away from the rim, uh, take him away from rebounding position and, and Groves can, you know, run him around a little bit out there on the perimeter. So um, that could be an advantage to Virginia too. I think that, you know, the two guard spots, uh, there will be a net advantage for Duke. I think at the two forward spots or the, for Duke, the guard slash forward spots, I think Virginia will have the advantage. At centers, where the worry is for me, <clears throat> I mean, for obvious reasons, Filipowski is a guy who's going to be mm, second half of the lottery guy uh, when he comes out this year. I don't think there's any question about the fact he's going to come out this year. Um, and uh, you know, Virginia's been starting Jordan Minor for for quite a while now. I wonder though if. And, and I don't wonder. <laughs> Blake Buchanan is going to be a better solution defensively. I don't know that you know Jordan Minor doesn't start kind of like how Jack Salt would start games for Virginia, and sometimes play eight or ten minutes. Um, you know, Minor start likely gets to start and likely plays to the first TV timeout. But Blake Buchanan, this is one area where his mobility and his motor uh, will be an advantage for Virginia defensively. At least trying to keep up with Filipowski. I don't know that you say anything about stopping Filipowski. Virginia did last year pretty well with him uh, in, in both games. But uh, I would think that, uh, you know, at least make him work for the baskets. Uh, you can maybe also see Jake Groves uh, getting some some turns down the floor uh, if necessary uh, against Filipowski but, um, on the defensive end. But, uh, you know, that's going to be the matchup. I, I think that, you know, Duke's got an advantage uh, at the at the one and two spots just because – I mean, I, I really think they'll have a slight advantage here. I think Virginia's got a slight advantage at the three and four. I think what Virginia can do to mitigate as much of the disadvantage of the five is going to be key to how this game plays. Um, and, I mean, of course, then there's the intangibles uh, playing in Cameron. Uh, you know, Virginia won his last time there. It's a very different team now than it was then. The Reese Beekman hitting a three in the last couple of seconds uh, what gave Virginia an upset. Uh, I think it was a one-point win, 69-68 in that game. That was a thrilling game. I remember that game so well. Virginia rallying in the last couple of minutes. It was a nice back and forth affair down the stretch. Um, you know, these are very different teams, and it's a different time of the season. That game was more early February. This is obviously we're in March now. Um, you know, the last second to last weekend of the regular season. Uh, Duke is a team that probably projects, I mean, does project right now from the computers as a probably three seed in the NCAA tournament. Virginia is still in the on the 10-11 line. I don't know that from a perspective of of uh tournament um Uh, bids and seeding that a loss here uh, does Virginia any any ill. Uh, you know, the, all the computers project Virginia to lose this game. Um, a win, a win, and you're you're in. I mean, no matter what happens the rest of the way, you win. You know, steal a, a road a quad one win at Duke this late in the season uh, would. <laughs> I mean, go ahead, you can go ahead and you know start planning your your travel right, but. Um, Yeah, this is uh, – so from that standpoint, I mean, I don't know that I expect a win coming out of this game as we're starting to wrap up here on the podcast. It's a tough matchup. 
Uh, I mean, every matchup at this time of the year is a tough matchup. You're in the ACC, one of the better conferences in the country. Um, but, um, I mean, I do th I've laid out a blueprint for how Virginia can win this game. Uh, get some activity out of, of Ryan Dunn. Uh, get some stretch in the floor from Jake Groves. Uh, have Reese Beekman outplay the guy that he goes primarily one-on-one -on -one against. Uh, have Isaac McNeely hold serve as best as possible. And, uh, you know, if Blake Buchanan can make uh, Kyle Filipowski work, that's all you have to do. He, he let him, you know, he'll get his 15 points and, and 10 rebounds. But if he has to work for those, maybe put up a few extra shots to get the, the points. Um, this is a game that Virginia can win. And, uh, you know, uh, and so uh, for me, then, you know, I get to, I'm going to go and, and be a fan for a couple hours. That'll be fun too. My wife is going with me. She's never been to a game at Duke. Uh, this will probably be the one trip down uh, for that uh, purpose. So, uh, you know, get to live it a little bit through her eyes, which will be pretty cool. Um, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. So the fact I'll be traveling, because also, I mean, the other part of my weekend is uh, I'm a big pro wrestling fan. Uh, Sunday night in Greensboro, just, you know, 45 minutes away from Durham, uh, is the All Elite Wrestling AEW Revolution pay-per-view event. At the Greensboro Coliseum, the traditional home of the ACC tournament, which is this year in Washington, D.C. Um, and it's the Pro Wrestler Sting's retirement match. And so I'm going to be there in person. It'll be the first pay-per-view that I've attended. Uh, I've been to one other pay-per-view, but I was part of the group that helped put that on. I was on the creative team for a company called Awesome Wrestling Entertainment, AWE, back in 2011. And I wrote... Um, the formats and the uh, the backstories for <laughs> that that pay per view card. Uh, watching it from gorilla position, very different than it'd be for me on Sunday night. Watching it from the lower level as a fan, um, for one thing, I won't have Kevin Nash yelling at me um, in gorilla position. Uh, but uh, no, this this will be a fun weekend for me. But so from the standpoint of of covering the game, uh, what the game will end eight ish eight fifteen. Um, I'll have an hour plus drive back from Durham to my hotel in Greensboro where we were uh, encamping for the weekend, uh, because of the fact that the pay-per-view is Sunday night in Greensboro. So don't expect any writing from me until <laughs> 11 o'clock maybe, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll still do the best we can to have the, the regular coverage after the game. It's, the, it's a big game. It's the Duke game. Um, and Sunday morning will be a lot of good stuff too. So, um, and that, uh, as I guess that kind of wraps us up. Hey, if you have any questions for me, any any comments, any observations, anything else, uh, please email me at chris at augustafreepress.com.